0: This is Alive with Joseph build conference, and I trust that God will speak to you tonight. And as I kick off, I want to read in a very unusual text. How many of you know that? Uh, if you're making notes tonight, 1 Corinthians 15 says first the natural, then the spiritual. Have you read that? So, in other words, if you want to get an idea of spiritual things, you first look at natural things. So, when we think of money and sowing money, you first look at a plant and sowing seed, and you look at how the na- in the natural when you sow seed. Plant Plants grow, wheat comes, a harvest comes. That's then. Then you get the idea of how it works in the spiritual. Are you with me? And when we read texts in the Old Testament that are unusual, you've got to bear in mind that that was the natural, but now it has a spiritual meaning. Are you with me? Leviticus chapter twenty-one and verse seventeen. The Lord says, Say to Aaron, for the generations to come, none of the descendants who has a defect may come near to offer food of his God. No man who has any defect may come near. No man who is blind, this is talking about the natural, but we're thinking in the spiritual, or lame, disfigured, or disformed. No man with a crippled foot or hand, or who is hunched back, here's a key, or is a dwarf. Or has any eye defect, or has festering or running sores, or damaged testicles. You'd never thought we'd read that in church. <laughs> The Bible here is telling us something interesting. It clearly cannot cannot be communicating that people who are weak or injured or born with disabilities are not allowed in the presence of God. It's clearly talking to us in the future about something spiritual. And it's teaching us something here, and it's literally saying this: anything that limits any person is not acceptable in the presence of God God doesn't want to see his people limited in any way he wants us to live beyond blindness and lameness and smallness he wants us to be bigger people and anything that keeps us from walking into our future or growing the Lord doesn't want in his presence are you with me tonight and uh, you can grow in your body but you can stay small on the inside And what God wants us to do is He wants us to grow in our thinking. And I want to speak to you tonight, and I've entitled the message, How to Think Bigger. How to think bigger. Sir Edmund Hillary was the great mountaineer who climbed Everest, and in his first few attempts he failed. And uh, when he came down the mountain and was greatly discouraged by his failure to get to the top, he made this statement. He said, Everest, you cannot get any bigger, but I can. And our challenges cannot get any smaller, but we can get bigger. We've got to think bigger. We've got to overcome lameness, smallness, dwarfism. And we've got to be all God has called us to be. But it all starts in your thinking all starts in your thinking and I don't know if you realize that circumstances are conspiring to keep you small politics conspire to keep you a victim and to keep you small and life conspires to keep us dwarfs but we must overcome and we must think bigger the Lord says my ways are higher and my thinking is higher but he doesn't say we can't think like him He says that we can rise up and have the mind of Christ. We can set our minds on things above. And so we constantly have to think like the Lord and lift our thinking. The playwright Victor Hugo said a small man is made up of small thoughts. Small people are not just small, they're small in their thinking. Because everything comes from your thinking. And you've got to learn how to think bigger. Benjamin Disraeli said this, Nurture great thoughts, for you will never go higher than your thoughts. I don't know if you realize it tonight, but big thinking is the key to everything. Because how you think is where you will end up. And we have to train ourselves to think bigger, even in our personal lives. I'm not just talking to you about this church. This church needs to think bigger. It's full tonight. It's a lot fuller than it was when I came here last time. You've got several services. We're rebuilding after COVID. But we've got to think bigger. We've got to think a bigger building even. We've got to think more services. I'm wondering, has COVID made you soft? It spoiled us, eh? It made us comfortable. We sat at home, but now it's time to rise and build. And it all starts with us thinking we must think bigger in our personal lives and as a church. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, and speaking about thinking being the key to everything, he said, life consists of what a man is thinking about all day. Did you know that if your thinking will determine what the outcome of your life will be. Let me put it like this. What we think is where we will go. Can I warn you, if you keep thinking about someone outside your marriage, don't be surprised if you end up there. Because we don't fall into sin, we think about it and no one knows until eventually we reach out and we touch or we engage. We must be careful of our thinking because what you think is where you will end up. And our thinking is extremely important and I want to give you several things tonight that help us to think better. Did you know that successful people think differently to unsuccessful people? Successful people are not just more talented, or more gifted, or more educated. No, they think differently. And here's the blessing. You can learn how successful people think. If you get around them, you can learn their thinking, and you can think bigger, and you can become bigger. So let me give you five things tonight of how we need to think bigger. Number one, always think vision. The Bible says here in Leviticus that the Lord doesn't want the blind in his presence we've got to think vision big thinking is always attached to vision small thinking is always attached to safety fear preservation maintenance survival but we're out of covid now we have to start thinking vision we have to start seeing beyond beyond our personal lives beyond the job we have beyond our upbringing beyond the size of our church beyond our country and its problems we've got to have vision I wonder what you can see tonight. And we've got to see beyond and see more and see what can be. James Allen said you will become as small as your controlling desire, as great as your dominant aspiration. You, either your desires will rule you Or vision will draw you into something greater And you have to have a personal vision for your life It's fantastic that our churches all have vision But you need to have a personal vision What is your personal vision for your life? I know what most people say Well I don't know what God's will is How do I know what God's will is? And so we stop there feeling paralyzed But what we've got to do Is we've got to realize that God's will is quite broad When you read about the will of God in the Bible, it's not very specific. It's often about behavior, not direction. Keep the marriage bed pure, for this is the will of God concerning you. Behavior, not direction. Some people are waiting. Lord, speak. Speak. He says, I've spoken. I spoke at the cross. I gave my best. What are you waiting for? Are you with me? Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God. See, behavior, not direction. So how do you develop a vision for your life? Where do you see God taking you? Let me give you four things tonight. If you're making notes, I think this will help many people in the room. Is firstly, you've got to ask yourself this question. This thing that I see ahead, that I believe God's calling me to, will it help people? If it will help people, and give it a thumbs up. If you've got an emoji. Give it a thumbs up. It'll help people. It's the will of God. Secondly, is it a good thing to do for the world? Hmm? You want to open a shop? You want to open a business? As long as it's not a bar where women are dancing topless, I think you're okay. Are you with me? Is it a good thing to do for the world? Will it help people? Thirdly, does it contradict the principles of Scripture? If it doesn't, go for it. Are you with me? So will it help people? Is it a good thing to do for the world? Here's the last one. Is it God glorifying? How many of you know if we grow this church to twice the size, it's God glorifying? As long as we don't all get into pride, because it can easily happen when a church grows that the leadership can fall into pride. All of us can fall into pride, and that's when trouble cometh. If you see churches in the world that have grown large, and then trouble has come, it's not because of anything other than pride. But we need vision, and we need to think bigger, and we need to think vision. Are you with me? A lot of people, as they look at their lives, their window or their windscreen, you know the car, their windscreen is small, but their rearview mirror is big. All they can look at is COVID, the past, how much I lost. And as they look through the windscreen, it's dim. You've got to get a big windscreen and a small rearview mirror. And when the road is dark, where does the light come from? It comes from inside the car. You've got to switch your lights on. My car has got a special gadget in it. It's, it's called night vision. And when you drive in pitch darkness, I think there's a picture of it. It lights up the screen the the dashboard lights up and you can see way ahead and you know what i think that is when every time i use it i think that's like the holy spirit it shows you way beyond the natural and we've got to put our lights on we've got to think vision we've got to take some chances and we've got to believe that god's got much more for us but big thinking starts with vision thinking are you with me sounds like some of you are getting there You see, the ten spies that the Lord sent into the promised land, they didn't think vision, they thought safety. And only two saw the potential, ten saw the negatives. And we've got to begin to look past the negatives and see the good things that God has for us. All of us see something, but many of us only see negatives. Am I making sense tonight? Yeah, ten people said yes. (laughs) You've got to expect and see the good things that God has got for you. Because if you don't see them, you won't receive them. Are you with me? And I want to read some verses here tonight concerning the good things God's got for you. Because some of you are not sure. Psalm 34 and verse 10. Lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 103 and verse 5. Who satisfies your desires with? Good things Psalm 68 and verse 19 how abundant are the good things you have stored up for those who fear you. How I mean, you know, many God's got good things for you. Psalm 65 and verse 4. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Can you, have you got a vision for good things? Can you see good things? Or can you only see more trouble ahead? We need to start seeing the good things of God. And we need to think vision. We need to think ahead. We need to see ahead. God's got much more for us. And if you're in business tonight, I want to encourage you that you need to believe God for increase and for growth in your life. You need to expect it. You need to start seeing it. I want you to realize that Jesus chose men for ministry that were in business, not priests or Pharisees or Sadducees. So don't feel that, well, I'm just a businessman, you know, and I'm very supportive of the ministry. No, Jesus chose the 12 because they were in business. And just by the way, Jesus spent more time in business than he did in ministry. 30 years in business and 3 years in ministry. And I don't think when he was in that carpenter shop making tables, he was doing it for charity. Oh. How would the family live? Here's a table. Oh, you can just take it. No, no. No, no. Wood cost? 1,000 rand. Profit on top? 1,000 rand. 1,000 rand for family food, holidays, vacations, shoes, sandals maybe. You've got to start expecting the good things of God. And if you go into business, expect to make profit and have a vision for the growth of your business and of your life. You see, Jesus, when he got alongside the disciples in Luke chapter 5, they were fishing all night and they had cash flow problems. Do you remember it? They had caught nothing. Stock was low. Cash flow was nonexistent. And he didn't come and say, come with me away from this evil pursuit. He gave them vision as to where the fish was, so much so that they cast their nets in and they had to call partners. So God wants you to have vision. He wants you to see the good things. He wants you to go into business and expect to increase, but you first got to have vision. And if you think small and you think fear, you won't receive. You've got to have vision from the Lord. They say that what you have to do, and I read an article by a man called Charles Kettering. He he says you've got to have what's called framework vision. You've got to kind of have like an outline of where you see God taking you. You might not have all the details, but you've got to kind of have a framework. And he tells the story of a friend of his who didn't have any pets. He had no budgies or cats or dogs or anything. In fact, he didn't even like parrots or budgies. So what he did was he gave him a cage. A big cage, but it was beautiful. It was elaborate. It was—they they, call it a gilded cage. And he gave him this cage, and he said, to him, "I want you to have this." So, because it was so beautiful, he couldn't put it somewhere in a storeroom. He put it in the lounge. This beautiful thing, all ornate, but it was empty. And he said, "One day you're going to have a parakeet in there." He said, "Never, never." He said, "I'll take you a bet. He said, "No, never." So he put this in his lounge, and about a month, two months went by. Finally, he's got a parakeet. So he went to see me, said, I told you so. He said, what happened? He says, every time someone came to visit, they'd say, did the bird die? <laughs> I said, no. He said, Are you, uh, is the bird coming? He said, he got so tired afterwards that he filled the framework with the bird. When you've got a framework you find that all the other components will eventually come. You've got to have vision. Think vision. Think bigger. Number two. Is this helping anyone? Always think increase. Think increase. The Bible here talks about, in Leviticus, about the crippled and the lame. Those who can't move forward, those who can't enlarge, expand. We've got to think increase. I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to quote Donald Trump. (laughs) He may be obnoxious, but he's done a lot of good for America. And you've got to decide, would you have obnoxious Donald or Sleepy Joe? (laughs) Donald Trump said, you have to think anyway, so why not think big? Isn't that the truth? You're going to have to think. You're going to have to wake up in the morning and think. You might as well think vision. You might as well think big. You might as well think increase. And God always calls us to think increase. When God got hold of Abraham, Abraham was focused on one child. Where is going to? When you going to give me my heir? And the Lord says, "No. Look up into the sky. Look at the sand on the seashore. Think increase." And as he begins to think increase, he comes out of his comfort zone and God begins to reveal vision to him and he begins to believe God. God says to him, don't look down, look up. Trust me for increase. There's a German statesman called Konrad Adenauer. He says, we all live under the same sky, but we don't all have the same horizon. See some people's sight is limited Others can see way beyond We have to begin to think increase And I want to say this to you You probably are aware of this Everything in the world today Is geared against increase and progress Have you noticed that? All the environmental discussions And forgive me young people If you've read more than two books On environmentalism or global warming Will you put up your hand? No, I'm serious I've read 18, and I talk to people, and you know where the information comes from, CNN or Sky. This is a very serious matter because environmentalism is another form of religion, and it's anti-progress and it's anti-increase. In fact, everything we do is bad for the environment, even using concrete. So how are we supposed to build houses? How are we supposed to progress? And any time you think increase, they say, you're greedy, you're a consumer what about social justice and so we get attacked on every level but God says how are you ever going to progress unless you think increase we would never put up a 3000 seater building if we had fought environmental, no we fought people we fought increase, we fought kingdom and you've got to be careful because the whole world is attacking progress and increase and we have to be we have to understand that the Bible teaches progress and increase are you with me Why is it wrong for us to want to win and to progress? Athletes want to win and progress, don't they? As long as they don't cheat, they spend all their time training to win. And then we applaud them. But when a businessman or a Christian wants to make something of their lives, everyone looks down on them. Particularly if you buy a car and it's a petrol car. (laughs) Did you know that all the cars in the world only contribute 3.8% of the global gases in the world. 3.8%. It's nothing. So if we get rid of all the petrol cars, we're still no better off in the environment than we were before. It's become a belief system and a religion, and you've got to subscribe to it. People will look at the rating of a hotel to see how green it is, and then take a woman there to commit adultery with her. We've got distorted values. And I'm talking about increase here, you've got to have vision, you've got to think bigger, you've got to think increase. And if you keep thinking smaller and you keep feeling guilty about what you do, you will never succeed. And the whole world is conspiring against God's system in order to keep us limited. Jesus worked for profit, he worked for increase, and uh, David took on Goliath and fought him for increase. Do you remember when he came to the battlefront and found Goliath taunting Israel? The scripture says in 1 Samuel 17 that he asked, what will be done for the man who kills Goliath? He thought increase. He didn't say, I'll die for my country. Oh, there's a giant. Someone's got to do something. Here I am. Take me, Lord. No, what will be done? You asked the question, and they said, well, you'll you get no taxes, and you'll know, you be free of tax, and you'll get the king's daughter. He's like, I'm, I'm up for it. You see, rewards motivate us. That's what makes us tick. That's why socialism and communism will never work, because it takes away reward, and it expects people to work hard. Just test that at home with your teenagers. See if it works. No, no, you've got to motivate teenagers with pocket money. Isn't that true? And so increase, we've got to understand that these things work against and rewards are extremely important and we've got to, we've got to understand how God thinks. Think of the parable of the talents. Remember in Matthew chapter 25, the, the one was given five, the one was given two, and the one was given one. You all remember that? Which person was commended? The one who took five and made five more. The one who took two and made two more. Increase well done good and faithful servant and then they were given more the one who had one had negative thinking I knew you to be a hard man didn't think vision didn't think increase for trouble, fear, doubt and what did the Lord say you wicked and lazy servant and he took away from him the one and gave it to the one worth five what does our tax system do our tax system looks at the rich and says how dare you and it taxes the rich. Those who make more money it taxes them even more. And it says to the poor, shame. But God doesn't think like that. Are you with me? God thinks completely different to us. And we've lost sight of how the world works. That's why I want to change your thinking tonight. Are you with me? It's so important for us to get good thinking and biblical thinking. Or we will, we will never progress and see God's blessing in our lives. Everything comes from your thinking. Are you with me? Now let me just say this. A lot of people, when it comes to increase, are trying to live in what I call phase two of God's plan. What do I mean by that? God's got two phases. We're currently living in phase one, but phase two is coming. The book of Isaiah says phase two is when peace will be in the land, where poverty will be eradicated, and the lamb will lie down with the lion. Have you read that? Latter chapters of Isaiah. Why are we trying to create that now instead of phase one, where we're living under the fall, where we're struggling against weeds and thorns, where we're supposed to be making increase and developing the world and raising income and growing our lives. Why are we trying to live in phase two and make the world a nice peaceful place? I don't want to upset you. I hope you're in a safe space. I don't want to offend anybody. Now, that's phase two. That will come when he comes back. Why are we trying to make everybody happy and feed everybody? It'll never happen. We currently have to change hearts and minds. Then poverty will go. Because poverty isn't just a social problem, it's a mental problem. Are you with me? When you think differently, that's when poverty goes. But the politicians will keep telling you, no, it's when we change the social structure that poverty will go. And nowhere in the world can they get it right. But the kingdom teachers change hearts. Get men born again. Get them thinking biblically. Get them thinking vision. Get them seeing like God. Thinking increase moving beyond their limitations and then they will grow their lives you should be clapping but you're not you see we think completely differently to the bible i want to remind you that every church that has gone down the social justice route has ended up dead Think back to the Great Revival. John and Charles Wesley founded the Methodist Church. They would turn in their graves today if they saw what was happening. Why? Because the Methodist Church changed its focus from glorifying God and worshipping the Lord and teaching the Bible to social justice. Their focus is feeding the poor instead of teaching the gospel. Presbyterians, Anglicans, Salvation Army. The Salvation Army is the Salvation Army. No, they became the Feeding Army. The clothing army. Not saying we mustn't help the poor. And by the way, just in case you don't know me, we have the Rivers Foundation. We spend a million rand a month on feeding the poor. We do 77,000 children a week in schools, <laughs> we have 10 orphanages. <laughs> We have numerous other social programs, but that's not our main focus. Our main focus is supposed to be the gospel and lifting people's lives. And the minute you turn the focus to what the world wants and its political agenda, you move away from the gospel and you shrink your life. I hope I'm making sense tonight. You see, if you read 1 Timothy chapter 5, you know what it says there? It says that you must only put widows on the list if they have been faithful, have washed the feet of the saints. It doesn't say shame. If you find a widow, put her on the list. Now, I'm not saying we mustn't look after widows, but it doesn't say go out and do social justice. It says check out. And if a widow's got family, the family should look after her because the church's goal is not socialism. The church's goal is the gospel and we've got to have a vision for that and we've got to think increase we've got to think increase in terms of people then it says in the next verse this is quite amazing as for the elders that preach and teach they should be paid double that's exactly opposite to what most people think you should put widows on the list and you shouldn't pay the pastor so much because they wear fancy shoes (laughs) come on how many of you understand can you see how differently we think to God we've got to change our thinking we've got to think vision And we've got to think increase and the whole world is mitigating against vision and increase. The world is into fear and limitation and smallness. And unless your thinking changes, your life will never change. There's an interesting verse here in the book of 1 Kings. It's when Ahab came to Naboth and wanted his vineyard. Some of you will remember the text. And just a verse here, it says that Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard. For use for a vegetable garden. You all remember that? Do you know that the devil is still trying to turn this vineyard into a vegetable garden? Absolutely. This is the vineyard of the Lord where the Spirit and the Word must be preached. The Spirit of God must be released and the Word must be preached. And vegetable garden is a secondary issue, not a primary issue. Because we've got to think differently to the way the world thinks. We've got to think. Increase. If we didn't see vision and think increase, our church would not be in the position it is today. We bought 11 properties around our church. We've expanded it. We kept seeing people getting saved. We kept seeing lives changing, hearts changing. We kept having vision. As a result, today we have paid off. We have property worth 380 million. When I got there, the land, the little property, And this is not a boast. This is just what God has done because we followed biblical principles. When I got there, the property was worth 60,000 rand. Little church building. And the people thought it was incredible. Don't touch it. Don't paint it. I painted it orange. They nearly freaked out. It was like this dirty gray color. People used to say to me, where's your church? I painted it orange. They found out very quickly. (laughs) we started buying property because we had vision and we thought increase not greed not selfish not because of our ego it was a vision from God for God for the changing of lives today we have 380,000 worth of property on five campuses most of it is paid off because of vision and thinking doesn't just happen and listen I have to say this because you're in Polakwani and you get to see pictures and you don't understand the context. This has happened on every campus, not just in Santon. Because I know what pastors say to me, you're lucky to be in Santon. As the people just come with money. I don't know what to do with my money, Pastor Andre. I've got so much. No, no, no. Rich people hold on to money more than poor people. Because rich people know how to make money with money. And if they don't trust you and you don't have vision, they don't give you money. So we've got to have vision. We've got to think vision. We've got to think Increase. Are you with me? Number three. I hope you get something out of this tonight. You've got to think opportunity, not threats. Think opportunity, not threats, most of us think about the dangers and the risks and the fear that comes into our lives because of the news media, but we 've got to see opportunity, and i 'm going to talk about that tomorrow night, how to seize god-given opportunities, and uh, I, I trust that will help you. Oswald Sanders, J. Oswald Sanders said, "The frontiers of the kingdom of God were never advanced by men and women of caution) You see, you can't avoid challenges and embrace opportunities. You've got to look the risks and the challenges in the face and say, I'm not going to look at the threat. I'm going to look at the opportunity. There are blackouts in our country, water shortages. There's a lot of crime, but you've got to look through that and say there are still opportunities. People need Jesus. People's hearts are gripped with fear. People don't know which way to turn. People are wondering if they should immigrate. The gospel has the answer. The Holy Spirit is their comforter. The word of God is their foundation and so we have to look at the opportunities and we have to challenge popular thinking because safe is not God's best are you with me look for opportunities in the midst of negatives it's all about your thinking many of you would have read about a man called Sam Walton we don't know Walmart in South Africa it's huge in America they've got stores everywhere But Sam Walton founded Walmart, and Walmart is a huge, like, it's like a macro, if you like, it's the best way to relate it. And he was told you could never start one of these wholesale, like, macro-type places in a town of less than 50,000 people because you need at least 50,000 to keep that size store going. Well, his very first store was started in a place called Rogers in America, and it only had 8,000 people. And this is what they said when he came there. The store made money and all the small businesses closed down. So all the social justice people rose up and protested. But it wasn't Sam Walton's big store that closed the small stores down. It was Sam Walton who thought differently. He didn't close his shop at 5 o'clock. He closed it at 9 o'clock because he recognized people come from work at 5 o'clock. And now they need to shop. So how can you close at 5 o'clock and want to go home and watch TV when people need to shop? then the people who were closed on weekends he said that's the time when families want to go out shop for bicycles and sports equipment so guess what they put the small business out of business but the small business made it seem like the big guy was the bad guy but he saw opportunity instead of threats i wonder what you can see or are you listening to all the negatives you constantly hear the negatives how big business puts everybody out of business how evil they are i Against greed, but big businesses were once small. And it's funny how when you're small, everyone loves you. But then when you get to a certain size, everyone hates you. It's the same with churches. You got 50 people? Praise God, brother, you're faithful. (laughs) You got 200? Yes, he's faithful. Praise God. You have 15,000? These mega churches. (laughs) I know. Have it all the time. People write articles about us, tweet about us, attack us. You've got to think differently. If you listen to the threats and you look at the negativity, you'll never do anything. It's here where you've got to think big. Think vision. Think increase. Think opportunity, not threat. You know, I read a fascinating story about when Elvis passed away. And they've just made a new movie about Elvis. I watched it on the plane. It was very interesting. A new sort of documentary on him. But when Elvis died in 1977, I think it was August 1977, his family was plunged into quite serious debt. He left everything to his daughter. uh, I think it was Lisa Marie. And uh, there was massive debt over the whole estate. And so they were panicking because normally when Elvis ran out of money, he would just go do a concert or he'd make another record or they'd make another movie. And that's how the family just kept going. That's why he actually died because he was like a nervous wreck taking pills doing concerts for four years he played Las Vegas almost every single night if you count them it's thousands of times he played and they were just raking in money well when he died the whole estate came to a grinding halt taxes estate tax inheritance tax it rendered them uh, immobile they were, they were completely stranded because of it Well, his wife came along and uh, took over and became the custodian of the will. And what she looked at, she looked at this Graceland that was now standing empty, that was being taxed to the hilt. She looked at all the, the RCA was making more money out of him than his own family. The manager was taking 50% of his earnings. She didn't see the threat, she saw the opportunity. So she took the little bit of money they had and she renovated Graceland, turned it into a tourist attraction. Within 28 days, she'd recouped her investment. She cut off Colonel Tom Parker, who was the manager. She turned Elvis into a brand in Tennessee, registered his image and his face, so you couldn't just use it, you had to pay for it. And today, after them being bankrupt, instead of looking at the threat, she looked at the opportunity. She, his wife, is worth, personally, 250 million dollars. Not rand, dollars. Why? Because she saw opportunity. She thought opportunity, not threat. Sam Walton thought opportunity, not threat. Is all you seeing in South Africa threats, or are you seeing opportunities? You've got to think vision. You've got to think increase. You've got to think opportunity and you have to think faith and expectation. Number four, think faith and expectation. I don't know if you realize it, but faith and expectation are brothers. Like they say in the mafia movies, The Cousins. Faith and expectation go together. You cannot say you've got faith if you're not expecting something. And your thinking is where your expectation starts. I want to challenge you in the room tonight, you're making notes, write this down. There are only three ways of thinking, and I've noticed this since COVID. Only three ways of thinking, and you've got to be in one of them tonight. There's no alternative. The first one is apathy. And COVID caused that. We just, we lost all our motivation. Isn't that true? We became immobile, apathetic. And when we had to go back to work, we had to drag ourselves back to work. Isn't that true? Because we were shut away, we stopped traveling, we stopped taking taxis and driving. And to get back in the routine was very odd. There was apathy. But the second one is also comes from that. It's apathy is like a deadness. But the second one is a little bit more alive, but it's called apprehension. There was a, oh my word, what's going to happen next? And which variant is coming next? And now that they've got the Delta variant under control, what about the Omicron? I remember being overseas on holiday, the end, end of last year, and the Omicron was announced. And the pronouncement was apprehension. We're all going to die. So from apathy to... But the third one is where we need to be right now. And this is building conference. Expectation. Expectation is not paralyzed. It's not expecting fear. It's living in the expectation that God's got something good. And you've got to have your thinking on expectation, not on negativity, not on apathy, not just dead, not just fearful. You've got to be expecting God's got something around the corner. Things will turn. Business will pick up. Despite the price of diesel, the fact that we've got blackouts and no water, things can get better. We can develop businesses. We can believe God that in the next election, We can vote some intelligent people in, in Jesus' name. How many of you know if this man and woman were not competent, you wouldn't have them as leaders? But somehow we think we can put incompetent people in government and we can still run the country. Why does it work there and doesn't work here? It has to be based on competence. cannot be based on color has to be based on competence and we have to train people not just put people in positions and our country's in a place where we've lost our expectation you're either apathetic in this room apprehensive or living in expectation which one is it you don't put your hand up but you've got to decide and it all starts here What are you expecting? Because faith and expectation go together. Let me remind you from Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and verse 6. It says, without faith, are you all with me? It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He what? Exists so that He is. We've got to believe He is. But watch this. And that He rewards those who seek Him. So we mustn't just believe that God is. We must believe that God does. You don't just just a Christian. There's a God. There is a God. Yeah, there's a God. No, we expect eternal life. We expect provision. We expect opportunity. We expect healing. Expectation and faith are brothers. And if you don't have expectation, means you don't have faith. You're probably in apathy or apprehension. And you can change it, because you can change your thinking. You can be washed with the water of the word thinking bigger is always thinking with faith and expectations if your faith has waned and your expectation is dulled because of COVID you know what you need to do you need to get to church and you need to get around the right people because your your faith and expectation can be dulled by the wrong kind of company and if you're around negative people people who are highly politicized instead of gospelized And we need to be political thinkers, but you've got to be gospelized. You've got to think Bible. You've got to think Word of God. And you've got to get around people like that. And when you do, you'll start to see things and start to believe for things. I was reading about a man, you will probably know him. His name is Mark Victor Hansen. And... um, He's a motivational speaker. Many of you would know the books that you may have seen in stores called Chicken Soup for the Soul. Anyone know them? It's all the stories, the motivational stories about good things. And he's made a lot of money from it, and he's been a motivational speaker. How many of you have heard of Tony Robbins? Tony Robbins is a motivational speaker. All the business people would know him. And by the way, we don't build our lives on motivational speakers and make them Christianized. So be careful because a lot of what they get they get from the church they make money out of it but nonetheless so the two of them are speaking at a seminar and Victor Hansen here, Mark Victor Hansen, talks to Tony Robbins and he says Tony I've been doing this for a long time and I'm doing okay I'm making about a million dollars a year doing what I'm doing but I know for a fact you made 156 million last year with your speaking and teaching and all your products how do you do it and how can I do it Tony Robbins turned to Hanson and asked him, who is your mastermind group? That's a group of like-minded people who need to generate ideas, and they get together. And he said, he said, well, my mastermind group is millionaires. He said, oh, really? He said, yep, we're all millionaires. Tony Robbins says, that's what you're doing wrong. You need to find yourself some billionaires and begin associating with them. They'll get you thinking at their level to say that Hansen, this article says, to say that Hansen has gone to another level since that conversation is stating it mildly. His goal is to sell well, one billion chicken soup for the soul books. And he's currently sold 500 million copies. You've got to get around the right people if you want to think bigger. It's not automatic. You don't just wake up one day and think vision. Think increase. Think faith. Think expectation. People are a catalyst. Now stay with me because I'm nearly done. If you study the book of Joshua, you'll see that the Lord allotted the land to the tribes. You will know that? You got this, you got that, you got that. And as they went in to possess the land, don't miss this, they began to conquer. But the Bible says they could not drive out the enemies in the land. How many people remember that? They could not drive out the enemies in the land. And so they settled with him, except when it came to the tribe of Joseph. It says, but Joseph went up against Bethel. And as he approached the city, listen to this, he found a man who had come from the city. And he said to him, we won't harm you. Show us which way to get in. And the man showed them the way in, and they conquered Bethel. And Bethel is one of the only cities that is fully occupied by the children of Israel at the time compared to the others. The key to success is finding the right person not just having the right strategy yeah. who is in your life that, or who do you need in your life that could help you think differently maybe the people in your own family are causing you to think small every time you go home and have supper and you sit down and you talk about your dreams and your vision and the things you believe God calling you to do oh well you know and then they will talk political to you or they will talk negatively to you you've got to shake that off I've had to do that I've had to do that with leaders and pastors. I've had to tell myself I cannot associate with those people anymore. They love the Lord. They probably pray more than me, but they don't think correctly. They think small. They think anti. They're always criticizing. No, I can't. I have to think vision. I have to think increase. I have to think faith. I have to think expectation. Are you with me? You've got to change your thinking if you want your life to grow. It doesn't just happen. And number five, as I come to a close this evening, I hope you've been helped in some way. Always think beyond yourself. Always think beyond yourself. We made a joke of it as we read that text from Leviticus, but it says there no one with crushed testicles. You know why? That is the reproductive part of you. Do you remember when Onan uh, spilled his seed on the ground? Most people say, oh, that's masturbation. No, the Bible's not talking about masturbation. That seed was very valuable because it was supposed to create future generations. And he was selfish. I don't want future generations. I don't want another woman and a whole lot of children. So he spilled his seed. And that's why God struck him down. Not because he masturbated. God struck him down because he didn't think beyond himself. And a lot of people say, well, I don't want to think bigger. I'm just happy, you know, if I just get a job, you know, and I just, have enough money it sounds so noble no god wants to not just get money to you he wants to get money through you and if you're a business person don't just think about the next biggest car don't just think about the next biggest church know, yeah, well as long as we can pay our bills no no rivers church has paid for most of its buildings but i'm still thinking bigger why because i want god to get money through me we're about to buy land for one of our campuses i've got a young guy there He's still got to learn and grow, but he can't afford to buy the land that my uh, strength as a, as a leader and a pastor and the assets we have. So now I'm, I'm using that because I'm seeing beyond myself to the next generation. I want to reproduce. I do not just want to get a pension and retire one day. And Pastor Andre once had a big church. Now I want to think beyond myself are you with me and I watch leaders they grow their church and then they retire and they go into obscurity well the younger generation must do, I want to help the next generation I want to help the next generation I want to think beyond myself and I want to encourage you to do the same God is the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he's a generational God and we must think legacy don't just be satisfied because when you're satisfied you're selfish you have to think beyond yourself Alvin Toffler said this, and I'll close with this. Before I quote him, you've got to think bigger even though you're living in a small place. So now you're working in a job tonight. You're sitting and you're saying, I work at Pick and Pay. I'm a packer. Pastor Noah was talking about stuff up here. No, while you're a packer, you've got to think vision. You've got to think increase. You've got to think expectation. You've got to have faith. You've got to begin to believe God for more because what you think is where you will go. Are you with me? And I love what Alvin Toffler, he was a futurist, has written a number of very good books. He says, you've got to think about big things while you're doing small things so that in all the small things, so that all the small things go in the right direction. If you're in a job tonight or in a small business or in a place where you feel limited, start to lift your thinking in fact I want to pray for people tonight I've written this down for God to free you from small thinking fear, apathy apprehension got to be freed from that to free you from poverty thinking we've always been poor it's because of the past in our country my family's poor you can't get a job because the big companies control everything that's poverty thinking God's got to free you, you've got to see beyond that and you need to be freed from that Then victim thinking. Victim thinking says I'm powerless. No, you're not. If you're a child of God, you're not powerless. You have the Son of God living in you. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word. You need to not be a victim. You've got to change your thinking. And then lastly, I want to pray for you to be freed from a small life. God doesn't want you to live limited. He wants you to see possibilities because He doesn't want dwarfs in His presence. How many of you need your thinking changed tonight? Stand up with me. Come Everybody should stand up, lift your hands to heaven. Let's believe tonight for God to break something. Free us, Lord, tonight.
1: Free us tonight
0: from our history, our upbringing, our background, the climate we live in, the political world we live in, Lord. South Africa, but the whole world thinks a certain way. Free us from that. Help us to think biblically, to not be victims or small-minded, but to think victory, to think bigger, and to believe you and to have vision for the future. I pray that you free your people tonight, that you give them a breakthrough in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus thank you so much for listening we believe you are blessed by the word for more please visit our website www.alivewithjoseph.com as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel Alive with Joseph Ngocacha till next time God bless